Hey there. How you doing? Yeah, you doing good? Yeah, good to hear from you. Good to see you. Thank you for joining me here on part two of this series where I'm talking about gear. I'm Craig Cottle, your host of Manly Musings and co-host here of the Survival Show podcast. It's good to have you pull up next to the campfire with me. Man, do you feel it? Put your hands out there. You feel that? Ah, it feels so good feeling that warm campfire. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Glad you're here. So this is part two of a three-part series. In part one, what I discussed is knives and how to go about building your own very first knife. Fantastic exercise for survival. Uh, There's so much you can learn by doing that, and I'm very thankful I have an opportunity to share that kind of stuff with you. As I mentioned in part one, uh, this part as well, and part three that I'm going to discuss for you the next time, is I'm just going over some things that I pulled out of my book, Ultimate Wilderness Gear, and I'm definitely expanding upon them and what I had in the book. So one of the things I I just love to mention because I love selling books um, is that Ultimate Wilderness Gear is book two that I wrote. I've written three books, uh, th- co-wrote the third one with Tracy Tremble, Essential Wilderness Navigation. But in book two, uh, it's a book on Ultimate Wilderness Gear as a title, and it's not a gear buyer's book at all, at all. It is anything and everything you need to know about a lot of outdoor gear. So I go into the discussion on different gear pieces, and, and when I say that, I talk about grind. Like, I've got a whole chapter on knives, where I talk about grinds and handles and, and tips and points and metal and tempering and all that stuff that goes along with it. But uh, it, it just, so pick it up if it interests you. Um, so we really appreciate your support in doing that. And so this section, I'm pulling off of page 43. If you have the book, then you can follow along with me. And thanks for doing that already. We really appreciate that. Uh, axes, man, axes are cool. They're real cool. They can make short work of the type of wood processing that you need to do sometimes in bushcraft and survival situations and camping situations, hunting, whatever. But man, they can also make short work of you getting hurt if you don't utilize them effectively and safely. So that's what I want to do. I want to go over a section of my book where I talk about utilizing axe safety. First thing, just like knives, a dull axe is the most dangerous axe because you have to work harder and you end up getting it in a position where you're not using it properly and it, because it's not cutting. And so the first thing you should always do is make sure that your axe is incredibly sharp. Now, I use a dual-grit Lansky, uh, basically the, you know, the pucks, what most people just call a sharpening puck. They're real small. They're easy to carry. You can keep one in a toolbox. You can keep one in your vehicle. You can keep one in a small uh, sharpening kit that you might keep in your gear. So make sure that it's sharp. One of the beautiful things about these pucks is that even, because I'm not going into how to utilize them in this particular podcast, because I think that's best left for a video. But the uh, usually when you get these products that are knife sharpeners and stuff like they have the instructions on how to utilize them properly right with them. And the pucks are no different. You'll get a, a an instruction booklet on how to utilize them. So go ahead and pick that up and follow the directions. Now, better said... Find somebody that knows how to sharpen axes and knows how to sharpen knives and have them teach you, without a doubt. That is a better way to learn how to sharpen a knife, but if that's or an axe, either one. But if in lieu of that, if you don't have access to somebody like that, then follow the instructions, check out videos from well-known knife makers and, and sharpeners on YouTube, 
and and other course content. Like there's a there's a course on outdoor core on knife sharpening. I'm a big fan of that. I'll I'll put a link to that down below in the description so you can see how to sharpen knives. So outdoor core is an organization that David and I both are going to be doing video content with. And uh, there's a fantastic knife sharpening video in that in that series right there. So number two, ensure there's uh, nine steps here for axe safety and uh, using axes safely and efficiently. Number two, ensure the head of your axe is stable and in place. So from time to time, depending upon who built the axe, who uh, set the handle in the head, then sometimes a splice that holds it in place will dislodge. Uh, if it's well manufactured and put together and the axe is used properly, you may never do this. But if you're new to axes, then one of the things that you'll find is that splice that's in the middle will sometimes dislodge, and you may want to replace it. You can go to, to uh, home improvement stores and buy actual splices, uh, I would prefer that you make one on your own, and that way if it falls out, just look at what has fallen out and then do your best to replicate it and then utilize your own. And that way you can make sure that the head is, is stable and in place because you don't want to be utilizing an axe and then it just fly off. And I, you know, when I was a kid, me and my, my, my dad and one of my cousins and his dad, who's my uncle obviously, is uh, we're out cutting firewood, and we were just little kids, man. We were little, and both of us, the, my, our dads were using chainsaws to cut the wood, and me and my cousin were over with our tomahawks, you know, doing the Daniel Boone thing and just cutting wood like a bunch of chipmunks. I mean, like a bunch of beavers over there. And he, his tomahawk head was improperly placed. I don't know. I don't know if he was using it wrong because tomahawks are not typically made like this. But anyway, he swung it, and the head fell off. I didn't even know it. My head was down. And uh, it went flying in the air and came down and actually hit me right in the back of the head. Thank goodness it was the butt end of the, the axe itself and not the, you know, not the, the actual blade, not the bit of it. I mean, it was the cutting edge. If it would have hit me, it would have killed me. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, number two, make sure that head is on there, stable and in place. Number three, whenever you start to cut, assume you're going to miss your target or you're going to cut through completely on one of your cuts. So think about this. So uh, you, if you're cutting, you'll eventually cut through whatever it is that you're cutting through. And you want to always keep in mind that that is getting ready to happen. If you do that and you know that that's getting ready to happen, then you don't dig your axe down into the dirt or hit a rock or hit some other surface that might end up dulling or chipping the blade itself. So you always want to assume that you're going to cut straight through or you're going to miss. So it's really advisable to cut, which is going to be step three. I mean, uh, step four. We'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, that is step three. Sorry, I was looking at my my notes and make sure I've got everything right. This is step three. Now, step four is put something made of earth or wood between you and your target in case you do miss. Okay. Now I prefer putting something like wood. And what I mean by that is that let's say I'm chopping wood and I, I want to go to the outer side of the log instead of the side that's closest to me. Because if I miss the side that's closest to me, then I'm going to be digging it into my foot or, or if I actually set myself up properly when you're using an ax, if you grab the bottom of the handle and hold it and that ax does not reach the ground, 
then I prefer to get on my knees when I'm chopping wood. And the reason I do that is in case the axe goes through a log inadvertently or if I miss or some variation of that, then the axe for safety concerns, and this is not a desire of mine, but for safety concerns, then digs into the earth and it doesn't dig into me because I don't like dull axes, but I would rather have a dull axe than a uh, leg that's cut wide open. And so that's a very important aspect of what it is that we're doing. And that is, again, step four, always put something between you and what it is you're cutting so that when you miss, it goes into earth or wood. All right, number five, when splitting wood, always aim for the side farthest away from you. Now, I started to say this earlier and got into it, but this is really important. So if you set that round log up in front of you, think about it. And you're looking at it and 12 o'clock is away from you and 6 o'clock is the side closest to you, then you're going for that 12 o'clock position. Because if you go for the 6 o'clock position and again you miss, then your axe again is going into the atmosphere, going into the air, going into your foot, going somewhere that it's going to get dull. You don't want to do that. So now the concern here is that when you go for that 12 o'clock position, if you keep hitting it, then it's likely that you're going to bust the handle down into the wood and that's where you start to tear your handle up and that's not cool that is just not cool so you want to plan that accordingly and use some wedges to help split some pieces the rest of the way use your axe where you can and utilize your axe in such a way that it has a, a guard on it so that if you are cutting wood in that manner chopping wood in that manner then what you're doing is you're protecting it because you know that inadvertently pieces are going to hit that and start to break it down and you don't want that and that's why you have a guard now i see a lot of survivalists that'll put paracord on that portion of the blade just to store paracord. Hey, I think that's a great idea. You know, obviously a, a good piece of very thick sound leather is that is sewn on the backside of the handle so that, that the sewn side is not hitting in the wood is fantastic. And when the leather wears out, you just replace it. No big deal. And you haven't wore out the handle. Either one of those are fine. Just be aware that if you're utilizing your axe a lot, that's eventually going to wear out. So if it's, you know, if you've got some paracord that your great-grandfather gave you from, you know, when he parachuted into Vietnam or something like that, and it's precious to you, then don't use that. Use something else. Use something that you don't mind using up because it's going to get tore up. All right, number eight is when splitting wood, always go for the cracks and avoid the knots. Now, when last year, a few of us from Nature Reliance School were building rocking chairs, and one of the things that just became an incredibly valuable lesson to me, because I've been chopping and cutting and, and chainsawing and burning wood my nearly my entire life. And uh, especially when I was home, I don't do it now uh, where I live, but when growing up, you know, that was one of my big jobs to do. And uh, I've learned so much since then. Last year, building these rocking chairs, we have to cut staves out for the Think about a rocking chair and that big long piece that makes the two legs on the back that extends above your head. That's some really long pieces of wood. And we cut those out of hickory and we cut that out of a hickory tree that we cut down literally. Okay. So uh, we had to learn how to work with the wood and what it was giving us rather than trying to go against it. And that's just a, that's a simple woodworkers concept. But man, I learned that exponentially well building those chairs and the same can be applied to chopping wood. There are going to be natural cracks in the wood. Um, I just cut up some wild cherry that I took over to my friend Tracy Trimble because he does a lot of handcraft um, 
uh, bowls and vases and stuff of that nature. Check him out at Kentucky Handcraft. I think he's just developing the website out now, but man, dude, dude, are you listening? He does some fantastic work. So those of you who are familiar with Tracy Trimble, uh, you know who he is. He's an instructor with us at Nature Lawn School. He's my right-hand man. He's done everything with me at NRS. And, uh, he, man, he does some fantastic woodwork, just fantastic. So check it out, Kentucky Handcraft. And, uh, but I dropped this cherry off and he was kind of schooling me in a good way. I'm not saying in a negative way, schooling me on how these cracks work and how he works with them. And sometimes he has to recognize this and, and work with this. So one of the things that comes out of that is if you're cutting wood for the sake of, well, if he's cutting wood to make bowls or vases or whatever, he goes with those cracks. And if I'm cutting wood for the sake of burning it, then just work with the cracks because they will appear very naturally whenever you cut wood like that. And so, um, if you work with it, then you don't have to work as hard. And that's, that's really cool. And again, obviously avoid the knots. Number seven, when cutting wood on the side, swing the ax at a strong angle. So let's say that you're bucking wood. You got a big 14 foot log and you're going to cut it like they do in the steel, uh, ax series, right? And you're going to basically cut through there just like a lumberjack, except the tree's not staying. It's on the side. You want to, you you want to put that at a pretty good angle so it's definitely digging down into the tree, but not 90 degrees, right? If you dig 90 degrees, what happens is that you just dig straight in the same spot and you're going so against the grain of the wood, then wood chips are, it makes it difficult for the wood chips to fly off. If you go at a very slight angle to the log, then the ax just skins off and goes flying out away from you and, and you got to, you got a dangerous situation on your hand. So put it at a good angle so that it's digging down in the tree, not sliding off of it and not going at 90 degrees. Number eight, once you get close to the end of a piece of wood or nearing a cut through, take your time. It doesn't matter if you're using a chainsaw or you're using an ax. This is vital. You got to start baby stepping your way through it. That way you don't dig the ax down into the ground and dole it up, hit a rock, chip it or something of that nature. Usually if I have a log that I can roll, then once I get to that stage, I'll actually just push it and roll it so that I'm looking at the bottom of it at that point and cut through it that way. And it's a little bit easier to avoid digging into the earth. Now, number nine, last step here, becoming proficient at cutting wood with an ax takes time, patience, and lots of effort. But as I've said a million times, you can listen to me talk about cutting wood. You can watch some expert. I'm not an expert at this at all. You can watch an expert teach you how to cut through wood with an axe, but the best way for you to learn how to do it is to safely engage in doing it yourself. You don't want to get in trouble. That's why I've harped heavily upon safety things to do here, but definitely the best way for you to learn how to cut wood is to cut wood, not to listen to me talking about cutting wood, not to watch some other guy cutting wood, but to cut some wood. Are you listening? Get out there. I'm giving you permission. This is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Line School. I'll put this up on a, on a note. If you need to hand it off to your wife or your husband, your boyfriend or girlfriend, or your boss, whoever it might be, I'll, I'll write this up as a prescription for you. I give you permission to go outside. Are you listening? I'm giving you permission right now. Now, if you need me to write that up and hand that off to somebody so you can go outside and do some cool stuff and just let me know, I'll, I'll write that up for you. And uh, I'll take care of you. I got your back. So yeah, that's part two, 
part two. Come back on in here next time because I'm going to talk about one of the most invaluable tools that's probably going to surprise you that I think that every survivalist, every backpacker, every hunter should carry in their kit every time they go. People don't talk about these things enough. I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to talk about uh, several different ways that you can use them. And, yes, I'm being evasive on purpose so that you'll come back and listen in because I've got 10 fantastic ways to use this invaluable tool that cost a couple of pennies at best, and you need it. So thanks for joining me here for my part two of Manly Musings for the Survival Show podcast. Always a pleasure to hang out with you. Man, fire's going down. i got to get off here so I can build that fire up a little bit, get us warm again. Thanks for joining me, my friends, and thanks for your support. You know how to support us. Get in there and do it any way that you can. Get some of those tiny guys. Pick up one of my books. Better yet, come to a class, you all. Come on. Join in. Let's learn together. That's what we say at Nature Blind School. So, yeah, we'd love to have you. So any way that you can support us helps us keep doing what we're doing, and I can't thank you enough. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. <laughs>